Hello and welcome to the Bipolar Feminist Podcast. This is your host Nikita Ramkisun and this week we are talking the intricacies of ADHD. Trigger warning, this episode delves deep into the many triggering aspects of suffering with ADHD. Disclaimer, while the research for this episode was intensive and information cited from trustworthy sources, it is not intended to replace medical advice. Should you feel any of the symptoms that reflect the feelings described here, please seek the help of a medical professional. Many people have difficulties sitting still, waiting their turn, paying attention, being fidgety, and acting impulsively. For much of our lives, we are told that these are behaviors that need to be controlled in order to exist normally in the world. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, is a mental health condition that can cause unusual levels of hyperactivity and impulsive behaviors, among other symptoms. People with ADHD may also have trouble focusing their attention on a single task, or sitting still for long periods of time. Many people experience inattention and changes in energy levels. For a person with ADHD, this happens more often and to a greater extent compared with people who don't have the condition. It can have a significant effect on their studies, work, and home life. ADHD is a neurological disorder that impacts the parts of the brain that help us plan, focus, and execute. ADHD symptoms may vary by subtype, inattentive, hyperactive, or combined, and are often more difficult to diagnose in girls and adults. People who meet the diagnostic criteria for ADHD differ in that their symptoms of hyperactivity, impulsivity, organization, and or inattention are noticeably greater than expected for younger individuals. These symptoms lead to significant suffering and cause problems at home, at school, or work, and in relationships. The observed symptoms are not the result of an individual being defiant or not being able to understand the tasks or instructions. By adjusting for the global demographic structure in 2020, the prevalence of persistent adult ADHD was at 2.58% and that of symptomatic adult ADHD was 6.76%, translating to 139.84 million and 366.33 million affected adults in 2020 globally. The estimated number of children aged 3 to 17 years ever diagnosed with ADHD, according to a survey of parents, is 6 million or 9.8%, using data from 2016 to 2019, according to the CDC. Symptoms of ADHD tend to be noticed at an early age and may become more noticeable when a child's circumstances change, such as when they start school. Most cases are diagnosed when children are 3 to 7 years old, but sometimes it's diagnosed later in childhood. Sometimes ADHD was not recognized when somebody was a child, they are diagnosed later as an adult. The symptoms of ADHD usually improve with age, but many adults who are diagnosed with the condition at a young age continue to experience problems. People with ADHD may also have additional problems, such as sleep and anxiety disorders. In adulthood, it manifests as difficulty following directions, remembering basic information, concentrating on simple tasks, organizing space and work, and finishing work on time, among many others. There are three types of ADHD that are known, predominantly inattentive, predominantly hyperactive, and a combination of the two. As the name suggests, people with predominantly inattentive ADHD have extreme difficulty focusing, finishing tasks, and following instructions. Experts also think that many children with the inattentive type of ADHD may not receive a proper diagnosis because they don't tend to disrupt the classroom. Research suggests that this is more common among girls with ADHD. People with predominantly hyperactive impulsive type ADHD primarily show hyperactive and impulsive behavior, as the name suggests. 
This can include fidgeting, interrupting people when they're talking, not being able to wait their turn, etc. Although inattention is less of a concern with this type of ADHD, people with predominantly hyperactive impulsive ADHD may still find it difficult to focus on tasks. Combined hyperactive impulsive and inattentive ADHD is the most common type. People with this combined type display both inattentive and hyperactive symptoms. These include inability to pay attention, a tendency towards impulsiveness, and above average levels of activity and energy. The type of ADHD you have can change over time, so your treatment may change too. Despite how common the illness is, doctors and researchers still aren't sure what causes the condition. It's believed to have neurological origins. Genetics may also play a role. More research suggests that a reduction in dopamine is a factor. Dopamine is a chemical in the brain that helps move signals from one nerve to another. It plays a role in triggering emotional responses and movements. Findings indicate that people with ADHD have less gray matter volume. Gray matter includes the brain areas that help with speech, self-control, decision-making, muscle control, etc. Researchers are still studying potential causes of ADHD, such as smoking during pregnancy. There's no single test that can tell you if your child has ADHD. A 2017 study highlights the benefits of a new test to diagnose adult ADHD, but many clinicians believe a diagnosis can't be made just based on one test. To make a diagnosis, a doctor will assess any symptoms you have over the past six months. The doctor would likely gather information from teachers or family members and may use checklists and rating scales to review symptoms. They'll also do a physical exam to check other health problems. It is suggested that if you suspect that you or your child has ADHD, it's recommended that you talk with the doctor about getting an evaluation. For a child, also talk with their school counsellor. Schools regularly assess children for conditions that may be affecting their educational performance. For the assessment, you need to provide the doctor or counsellor with notes and observations about you or your child's behaviour. If they suspect ADHD, they may refer you or your child to a specialist. Depending on the diagnosis, they may also suggest making an appointment with a psychiatrist or neurologist. Treatment for ADHD typically includes behavioural therapies, medication or both. Types of therapy include psychotherapy or talk therapy. With talk therapy, you or your child will discuss how ADHD affects your life and ways to help you manage it. Another therapy type is behavioral therapy. This therapy can help you or your child learn how to monitor and manage your behavior. Medication can also be very helpful when you're living with ADHD. These are designed to affect brain chemicals in ways that enable you to better control your impulses and actions. The two main types of medications used to treat ADHD are stimulants and non-stimulants. Central nervous system stimulants are the most commonly prescribed ADHD medications. These drugs work by increasing the amounts of brain chemicals dopamine and norepinephrine. Examples of these drugs include Ritalin and Adderall. If stimulants don't work well or cause troublesome side effects, a doctor may suggest a non-stimulant medication. Certain medications like this work by increasing levels of norepinephrine in the brain. These medications include Stratera and some antidepressants such as Welbutrin. ADHD medications can have many benefits, as well as side effects. You may have heard the terms ADD and ADHD, wondering what the difference is between the two. ADD, or Attention Deficit Disorder, is an outdated term. It was previously used to describe people who have problems paying attention, but are not hyperactive. The type of ADHD, called predominantly inattentive, is now used in place of ADD. ADHD is the current overarching name of the condition. The term became official in 2013 when the American Psychiatric Association released its fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM-5. 
This manual is what doctors refer to when making diagnoses for mental health conditions. I don't have ADHD, but I do know many people who do, and speaking with them extensively, I've garnered quite a good understanding of how it feels. ADHD is not a one-size-fits-all explanation for certain behaviors and difficulties. The disorder puts you at an increased risk of anxiety, depression, eating disorders, substance use, and suicide. And because capitalism instituted an economy based on wage labor, and with it, the commodification of time, time became money. Or more precisely, workers' labor time became capitalist profit, meaning that people who do not work within this paradigm have had more trouble adjusting to the system. People with ADHD have been classed as neurodivergent because the need for so-called neurotypicality has become almost a requirement to fit into the capitalist economy. You can see why this type of person is an obstruction to the economic system grounded in the regimentation of time. Good luck trying to get a person with ADHD to stick to a schedule, do tasks set for certain durations, and then go home and do whatever they need to do just to do the same thing tomorrow. Stress, boredom, disinterest, lack of sleep, being hungry, feeling overwhelmed by noise or lack of downtime, all impact how well people with ADHD adapt to certain work or social environments. What I know now is that people of all ages can learn and succeed, not in spite of, but often because of their creativity, empathy, imagination, sense of humor, and experience managing stress. ADHD and all its unruly bedfellows can be managed and even make some people better at coping in extreme situations, such as the global pandemic, lockdowns, or layoffs. Effective strategies include accommodations at work, like wearing noise-canceling headphones, or receiving extra time at school to complete tests. Tutoring, therapy, coaching, peer support, and medication, usually some combination of those, along with a hearty dose of patience, all work well too. It is not a trend or a fad. About one in five people in the US live with learning or attention disabilities. That includes children, adolescents, and adults. And those numbers are likely even higher, since many are undiagnosed due to factors like stigma, lack of access to care and treatment, or how costly it is to manage with medication and therapy. Stimming is a way that people can focus, and this is a pattern that we see with many specialists saying that it is the main way that people with ADHD manage minute to minute. Unsurprisingly, black people, and black women in particular, are left underrepresented and underdiagnosed when it comes to ADHD. As they grow up, black women face the pressures of the superwoman schema, which can heighten stress and make it difficult to consider, assess, and treat mental health conditions. Similarly, black women are often culturally associated with strength, pressured to be strong in every single situation, even if it means putting themselves second. Because when a black woman faces adversity, society expects her to handle her own problems while also nurturing others. Any sign of frustration or sadness expressed by a black woman is deemed as weak, depriving her of her ability to be vulnerable. Society constantly characterizes women of color as strong and the ones that have to save the day. They expect women of color, especially black women, to be the fixer and the caretaker. So a lot of us take on that pressure, which can lead to burnout and other mental health challenges that go underreported, undiagnosed and unrecognized due to access to healthcare and lack of recognition of illness in the first place. Speaking to a couple of friends, I see a lot of similarities. The lived experience for someone like Hope is varied day to day. They say they form emotional and love attachments very quickly and can stem from the feelings of hyperfixation and hyperactivity, where they want to do everything right and to the feeling that they don't want to do anything at all. Sometimes it's both feelings at once that can make them feel like they're being pulled in two different directions by opposite forces. They say it's like playing chess with disappearing pieces. Adil says for him it's a constant struggle keeping track of everything you need to do and these things simply disappearing out of your mind. Then you find yourself being overwhelmed, realizing how much there is to do, and you have to do them but not doing anything because you're overwhelmed. 
It's not about being hyperactive like the stereotypical kid bouncing off the walls, he says. Hyperactivity is all in the head and not necessarily presenting as being a kid on way too much sugar. Thoughts are all over the place at a million miles and monkey minding is a thing he constantly has to deal with. He never finishes a thought or activities or he gets so into something he doesn't realize how much time has gone by. Certain activities become an obsession, he says, and the only thing that you want to do and you lose yourself in it. He also stims with shaking a leg or having to be doing something to focus, like playing with a pen or headphone cables in meetings. In order to focus on something, Adil needs to keep himself preoccupied with something else, but then finding a balance is difficult and the goal isn't achieved. He has to be doing something other than what he's doing to complete a simple task like breakfast. So he goes on Reddit or TikTok. He struggles to work unless there's a bit of pressure, so it helps him focus. But the catch is that he sometimes only feels the pressure when it's too late and then there's too much to do. It's a part of who he is, he says, and to be neurotypical would be nice. Kelly says when she's medicated, it feels weird and jittery with strong stimming and unmedicated, she can't focus for long periods and goes through a lot of distractibility. She says it's a spectrum and goes from hyper-focused towards hyperactive. She tells herself that she has one hour to do homework, but goes shopping instead. This is very typical of any college student, but she finds herself too easily distracted. When medicated, Kelly says it's easier to manage instead of having all her attention focused on bullshit. She's taken a lot of different meds and fortunately found the one that works. She says it is a mess considering meds in the US are so costly and expensive to manage. Finally, Ross described his experience as having to suppress his emotions in order to process things without reacting impulsively, possibly one of the most unspoken symptoms of ADHD. Living with ADHD is not easy, to say the least. And more people live with it than we realize due to underdiagnosis the world over. While medication is seen as the only way to treat it, there is therapy and other resources for people who don't have access to costly medications and a network of services online, including support groups. A lot of creators on social media are involved in ADHD education, the most entertaining one being Katie Osaurus on TikTok, who also has a podcast called Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest. Some creators are sharing webcomics, like Pina Vardnell, known as the ADHD alien on Twitter, Danny Donovan does so on TikTok, and Jesse McCabe on YouTube. Newsletters like Rach Idowu's Adulting with ADHD, blogs such as Rennie Brooks' Black Girls Lost Keys, and memes. Tell me you have ADHD without telling me you have ADHD. That aim to help people identify symptoms and find a community. Thank you for listening. Again, this is your host, Nikita Ramkisun, and I would like to thank my patrons for making this podcast possible. Join me next week where I will be talking about whiteness. Should you wish to support me, please subscribe to The Bipolar Feminist on Patreon or donate directly to Nikki Starfish on Coffee. See you next week.